Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And tonight, I am joined by special guest Mo DeKeel, a recent guest on this podcast now multiple times. We're, we're making this a regular thing. There we go. Uh, uh, Mo, how, how are you doing? How was your Thursday night? I'm, I'm doing well. It was it was better than most of the other guys, most Laker fans' nights. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was rough. Uh, let, let's get into it. So the Lakers fell to the Nets 109-98 in what was billed as, I think, a, you know, everyone's favorite final matchup right now, uh, you know, kind of a, a finals preview uh, after the Nets acquired James Harden, you know, a few weeks ago. And the, the Lakers, of course, have been the favorites since the preseason. Um, but th- this game lost some sizzle this week because – Anthony Davis uh, has been ruled out for now four weeks, we, we learned after this game, but for multiple weeks with a sore right calf and some Achilles tendinosis, uh, Kevin Durant was ruled out for this game. And then an hour before tip-off, right after Frank Vogel spoke with the media, Dennis Schroeder was a late scratch for the health and safety protocols. We do not know how long he's going to be out. We don't know if he has COVID, if it's contact tracing, uh, very limited information on that front. Uh, so that could be a- another big blow for the Lakers. You know, it was looking like Dennis, who had been third on the team in, in shots and points and, you know, was essentially the third option behind LeBron and AD, uh, was going to be the second guy w- with AD out. And now he could potentially be out, you know, a week, two weeks, depending on the severity um, of the situation. So a, a definitely a, a blow before the game. You know, Frank Vogel's uh, Frank Vogel spoke about that post game. Le- LeBron spoke about that post game. Uh, you know, losing Dennis, you know, did kind of mess with the psyche of the team. You know, they were looking forward to that Kyrie Irving matchup. Uh, but I, I guess t- to start big picture, um, you know, w- with the-, the context that this was not a full strength matchup for either team, both teams were missing, uh, you know, multiple key players. W- what was your I guess biggest takeaway or most interesting thing that that you saw during the course of this game. The thing I found most interesting, Yovan, about this game was I didn't feel like anybody else stepped up. You know, and it, listen, I understand it was an hour before the game when Schroeder ends up. You know, we find out he's not going to be available. You want to see somebody else, one of the others quote unquote, kind of just like step up and have a, have a big game. And I just didn't feel like anybody really did for the Lakers in that sense. I mean, you know, it, it, it is a big blow. It's their second best ball handler, second best creator really. And, you know, it, it hurt them a ton and you just really felt it on the court when you watched it, especially when like LeBron would go to the bench for a couple of minutes for rest. And that's been an issue. I I just wrote about it. Um, You know, I, I wrote, five things that we learned after the, the Timberwolves game, because that was really uh, 80s missed some games, but, but that to me was a, a shift in uh, you know, it, it's one thing if 80s out for a random game here and there, and you're just kind of 
you know, going with your normal game plan. But this is the new normal for the Lakers for the time being is that AD was out. So I, I you know, but one of my takeaways from that game was just that they continue to lose the LeBron minutes and, or I mean the, the non-LeBron minutes. And he's the only player on the team that has a negative net rating when he's off the floor, uh, which really speaks to how much they struggle, you know, without him. And they have a negative net rating with AD on the floor and LeBron off the floor. So it's not just like, you know, they're uh, treading water in those uh, AD, no LeBron lineups, which, you know, frankly, is most of the time LeBron is off the floor, AD's on, but they're minus 3.7. Uh, they have a minus 3.7 net rating in those minutes. So that that is a concern for the Lakers because you can't have LeBron played 38 minutes against the Timberwolves. He played 33 minutes tonight, probably would have played, you know, he checked out with five minutes left. So, you know, had this game actually been close, maybe he gets into that, 36, 38 minute range again. And you just can't have LeBron at 36 years old in his 18th season playing that many minutes. So I think the Lakers have to figure something out, you know, especially if Dennis is out, because at least, you know, you could build some Dennis centric lineups with the second unit that I think could be effective depending on the team you're playing. But if Dennis is out and AD is out, uh, the Lakers are really going to struggle in, in those no LeBron lineups. Yeah. I mean, it's just not easy to do, right? This is going to look like. Just think about it this way. We saw this last year with the Lakers in the regular season. You know, whenever LeBron left, even with AD on the court, their offense would sputter and they wouldn't figure they wouldn't have anybody to create or things like that. And and that's what Dennis was supposed to come here and fix. And if he's not if he's not available, you just don't have that. You know, it's it's Alex Caruso can't do that. THT doesn't do that. Kuzma doesn't do that. You know, Matthews, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like we can run through the entire list. None of these guys do that for them. And that's just like, like their their best playmaker after LeBron right now that suits up for games is Marcus Gasol. And that's not a good sign. You know, like you know, and and it's not a shot at Gasol, it's just like you need to have somebody else. You know, and I think that's what that's the issues there. And I think that's going to be the issue for however long Schroeder is going to be out, depending on the uh, health and safety protocols. And this was a weird game to me, too, because on paper, you know, yes, the, the Nets had two stars and, and the Lakers only had one. Uh, the, the Nets have better three point shooting than the Lakers, which we'll get into in a little bit. But. You know, like this is this has been one of the worst teams. I think they're 26th in defense. They were 26th in defense heading into tonight. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to be after tonight, but uh, you know, the, the Nets have been a terrible defensive team since the James Harden trade, and they were, you know, b- before that. But I, I guess you know we're kind of getting to it with, with the Dennis stuff. But I still felt like this team should have been able to score easier against the Nets just with their defensive personnel. And the, the fact that they didn't even get to 100 points and really, you know, we're at 85 points basically when the game was over. And then, you know, in garbage time, uh, they hit a couple threes and, and THT got a layup. And it was just like, you know, kind of piling on some late points. Like the, the Lakers really struggled against the, the Nets. And the Nets went small for a lot of the game. You know, DeAndre Jordan only played 24 minutes. Uh, he, you know, and, and they started you know, they got, they started. got three minutes at the end, but yeah, they started small. They, they forced the Lakers to adjust the, you know, the Lakers benched uh, Marcus sold to start the third went with Markeith Morris. But I, I just, I, I mean, the Lakers finished with 54 points in the paint. So it's not like they didn't get shots at the rim and, and score, you know, relatively easily, but they lost the free throw battle 
uh, by, by tw- you know, 24 attempts to, to 14 attempts, which the Lakers rarely do. Uh, you know, they're usually winning the free throw battle. Right. And I just felt like it, it didn't, they, I didn't think they did a good job of taking advantage of mismatches as frequently as they could have against the Nets defense. And just the fact that the Nets don't really have many plus defenders. Like most of their rotation is is average to below average defensively. And the fact that the Lakers were unable to exploit that, especially with a guy like, I mean, I, I, kudos to Steve Nash. He, he, uh, you know, brought DeAndre Jordan off the bench, matched his minutes to Montrezl Harrell after the game. Frank Vogel said that uh, part of the reason Trez only played 15 minutes was because he he felt DeAndre Jordan was kind of containing him and, and um, you know, sort of out, outplaying him. And he just didn't like those minutes. So, uh, you know, kudos to Steve Nash for, for that adjustment. I, I thought that was smart. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't I just didn't like the flow of the offense and I didn't feel like they attacked the, the Nets in the spots that they should have. Yeah, and and here's the thing. A couple of things that go to it, like you would think LeBron would have been more aggressive out of the post in this game. Like they don't have anybody that can match up with him to his size there. Uh, I guess the closest guy is Jeff Green, but even then that's not much of a matchup. But, you know, the, the this then goes to the issue with, with no shooters. We've seen it in the past. It's like guys struggle to enter the ball into the post to LeBron, you know, so now he's got to mm-hmm. bring it up and then get into the post from there and that becomes an issue. I didn't feel like they did a good job there, but ultimately, Jovan, and this is an issue that's been plaguing the Lakers for gosh, I feel like the past like 10 to 15 games. But when you look at their last 5 games, like they're shooting below 25% I think from 3 and that's just an issue. Excuse me. 27.5% from 3. So maybe just above 25, but that's a brutal number there and that, and they got killed tonight at the three-point line. You know, Joe Harris went off. Their defense also was not very sharp. They weren't crisp in their rotations. They had a lot of miscommunications where one guy would switch and the other guy was stunting and things like that. And it just, just a lot of bad mistakes that you can't have against a Nets team that's literally just going to, hey, we're going to just shoot shots. And if we get open looks, we're going to beat you. Let's get into that because before the game, Frank Vogel was asked about the team's recent struggles beyond the three-point arc and it's not just the percentage where you know the lakers were top five for a while to to start the season they were top 10 for a while uh they've plummeted into 18th heading into tonight and i think they stayed at 18th uh after tonight's performance but it's not just the percentage it's the volume they are 27th in in volume right now uh 27th in three-point attempts and it's just really hard to have a good modern nba offense when you are not either taking a lot of threes or, or making a lot of threes by, by having a really good percentage. And right now the Lakers have neither. And, you know, uh, they've slipped offensively. But uh, yeah, I think it was as recently as like a week ago, uh, you know, they were eighth in offensive efficiency, taking only 30 threes per 100 possessions. And if you looked at the top seven teams, you know, the, the seven teams ahead of them, all seven teams were attempting 34 or more threes per 100 possessions. So that was a, a four, you know, three-point attempts per game uh, gap there. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but those add up. And, and then tonight, they lost a three-point battle 18 to eight. It really was 18 to six. Lakers hit a couple threes late that, that swung that and made it look a little better. But losing the three-point battle by 30 to a really good offense uh, th- that's going to be tough to come back from. They also lost the, the free throw battle, as I said earlier. So how much of an issue is this for the Lakers? Uh, you know, F- Frank talked about it post game that it's something they're really trying to dive into as a coaching staff. They're really trying to figure out 
they think they're getting good shots. They're just not making them, but they still think they could get even better shots. Like, how do you view the three-point shooting in, in terms of just like a potential weakness? And is that something that ultimately, like if we're looking at a team that could potentially beat the Lakers, you know, in the playoffs at some point, is that, you know, the recipe? Is that part of the blueprint that you just outshoot them? And because they don't have, you know, multiple elite shooters like some of these top teams, they just can't keep up from the three-point line. Well, like first, this was an issue last year, right? Like they mm-hmm. weren't a great shooting team, three-point shooting team last year, and they were able to overcome it. But the reason why they were able to overcome it was how good they were defensively, right? Like they could get stops. They could lock down. It, it works to both ends of the court. And, of course, listen, tonight without Schroeder, without Anthony Davis, you really didn't have much of a chance to win. Like, if we're being honest, like that, you mm-hmm. just look at that right away. If if, if I woke up this morning and knew Schroeder wasn't going to be in, you know, I, I would be betting money the Lakers were going to lose big tonight. <laughs> you know, it wasn't even, you know, it's just because, again, there's just not enough firepower for the Lakers at that point. And then when you, when you look at it, you know, it's always going to be their kind of weakness. They shot it ridiculously well to begin the year, and now they're shooting it really poorly. Eventually, they'll get back to kind of the middle. They'll be somewhere in like the 34, 35% range which will probably be good enough for this Lakers team, you know, that they're going to be better defensively. This was just a really bad defensive night. And, you know, on nights when you're not making shots, you can't have bad defense. And unfortunately, it was both tonight. They weren't making shots and they had really bad defense. So <laughs> that's how you end up getting your butts kicked. So I think that's kind of the the issue. Three-point shooting thing's always going to be there for them, Jovan. It's always going to be an issue because there's just nobody there that you look at and you go like, that's an automatic three-point shooter. Really, like, their deadliest shooter by reputation is, like, what, KCP? LeBron? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I know Kuzma's shooting Probably it. Probably LeBron, yeah. And Kuzma's shooting it really well, but everybody's just going to be like, cool, we're going to live with that. That's fine. If LeBron beats us by shooting threes, that's fine because we know he's going to beat us if he's driving to the rim. So it's 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 going to be an issue for them all year. But they were able to overcome it last year, and they got to get back to it this year. But the first steps to getting back to it this year is getting everybody healthy and on the court. I also think AD was better offensively last year. Um, you know, they're missing some of that production uh, from AD this year. And, and I mean, as of right now, the offense has been worse this year you know the, the, the defense has technically been better even though it doesn't feel like it you know, they have the best defense in the league i'm, I'm sure it's going to slip after tonight but they have a you know almost a two points per 100 possession gap between them and uh i believe philly it's i think it's philly at number two uh but but the offense has been worse and um you know it, it's it's just i'm going to take an l on this because i said earlier in the season i thought that three-point shooting was better this year I, I, I clarified that with saying that I didn't think they were a good three-point shooting team necessarily, but um, you know, I, I if you just looked at some of the numbers, it was like there was a, a jump in the bubble. And I, I know, I guess, I mean, clearly the bubble is not translated over uh, with, with you know Denver and, and Miami and uh, Boston and you know some of the teams that have struggled uh, you know since, since the bubble. But I looked at the, some of the improvement from Kuzma, from KCP, from Alex Caruso, and I was like. You know, again, KCP started the season off shooting 57%. I, I didn't think that was going to hold, but right. could he shoot 39%, 40%, and, and, you know, on largely wide open shots? Like, 
Yeah, I thought that was possible. He's still shooting over forty percent, but you know it, it's been it's been dropping quickly. Uh, you know, Alex Crusoe, another guy who pretty much only takes wide open threes. Um, you know, could he shoot thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine percent? Like I, I thought so. And again, you know, his percentage is dropping. So Wes Matthews was another guy. You know, coming off of last year, uh, I believe he shot forty one percent last year in Milwaukee and. I was like, you know, could he shoot 38, 39, 40%? Like, yeah. So just looking at those three guys, then then the improvement that LeBron has had, although he's also slipped recently, like I thought they could be a better three-point shooting team than last year. Again, not like, you know, not Nets level, not Bucks level, not some of these other really good shooting teams, but at least league average to somewhere in that 10 to 15 range, you know, percentage-wise and, and and then maybe creep up the the attempts. But that has just not happened, um, and, and you know it's it's been on the decline for weeks now, and it really is becoming a thing where uh, you know the Lakers are thirteen and zero when they outshoot a team from deep, and they are nine and eight when they don't. Um, so you know it's it's not as simple as that. Of course, you know there are other factors that go into it, but that is kind of a barometer for th- this team's performance. Of you know w- when they get outshot from three, they're basically a five hundred team. And when they don't, they're undefeated. So um, it, it is something to definitely watch, you know, kind of throughout the season because I, I do think this is a potential weakness. You know, it, it's certainly a weakness, but it, it's something that could, if I'm looking at the way they could lose a series, I, I think three-point shooting is a big part of that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention LeBron James. Uh, I'm surprised it took us, <laughs> we, we, we mentioned him earlier, but it took us 17 minutes to mention LeBron. Uh, he became the third player in NBA history to reach 35,000 career points joining Kareem and Karl Malone. Uh, he was the youngest and fastest to do so. Uh, he had 32 points, eight rebounds, seven assists tonight. Uh, anything you want to add on the just uh, another game, another insane LeBron milestone? I mean, it's awesome. Like, this is great. The The milestone's pretty uh, pretty cool to see. And and again, being just the third person to ba- break the 35,000 point mark is pretty damn impressive. Uh, it, it, it is interesting to look at it and going like, damn, but he's still like four, almost 4,000 behind Kareem or, or just less than 4,000. It's like, that's, that's pretty remarkable in that sense. You know, how it says a lot to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, uh, career as well as LeBron. So it was awesome. This was a good, you know, LeBron did his job 14 to 23 from the field, you know, only three turnovers. Like there's not too much I could, I could pin on him. It's, it's, LeBron, LeBron's got to be great right now at this point, you know, while these guys are out to, to, to really take this team to, they're going to fight in a lot of these games. Like, look, the Minnesota game shouldn't have been close normally, but in the scenario they're in, like, yeah, it's going to end up being close. And they're going to be in a lot of close games now, just with the fact that they're going to be pretty depleted. So, you know, he's going to have to put up some pretty crazy numbers here in the next few weeks to to just keep the Lakers afloat. And my concern, Jovan, is what's that going to do to him energy-wise going into the season, uh, going into the playoffs? A hundred percent. And I, I do think that this is a, a good opportunity to boost his MVP candidacy. I think, you know, he, he's in that mix right now with Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Steph Curry, if the Warriors record can improve a little bit. Uh, but I, you know, Lillard, I, I think I can't believe you just ignoring Damian Lillard. D- yeah, D- Dame's in there. I mean, I have him a little bit lower um, th- than like I would have him below all the guys I just mentioned. But I, he's certainly in the top, 
you know, seven, eight. Um, well, if this was, a Blazers, I, just, I just didn't want to list every single MVP. If this, if this but, was a Blazers podcast, I'd be yelling at you and explaining <laughs> to you why he should be higher, but it's not. So we'll move on to the next. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, per- personally, I have LeBron number one right now um, just because I, I, I think he like the fact that he hasn't declined and has actually gotten you know, like the three point shooting has been um up until really like the last week and a half had been the best of his career. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if he kind of bounces back in that. Like the fact that he's, he's basically putting up the same numbers he's, he's been putting up for a decade plus and has actually improved in, in some respects. Like to me, like best player in the league, best player in the best team. I know Utah is technically the best team, but I, I don't know anyone that would pick Utah over the Lakers right now. Maybe like Dave Dufour. Um, yeah, he, like- he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. I've, I've had I just wanted to shout out Dave. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Quickly, before we get into the Q&A section, um, did you ever scout LeBron? Yeah, I mean, like in, in, several times, you know. And, and what, 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 do you have any good scouting LeBron <laughs> moment, like memories or, or just kind of yeah, this being guy's like, good. what the hell do I do? That was, score, that was my scouting report. This guy's freaking good. Good luck, guys. <laughs> no, I mean, look, you're, you're, it was always, I mean, he's, he's never shot the three ball as well as he is now, but even now, you know, when you're looking at the scouting stuff, you go like, I'd rather him shoot threes than, 100%. than, than yeah. him putting pressure on us defensively at the rim. And I think that's kind of the, the main thing. And, you know, the, the reports always were going to be go under on screens, go under, make, you know, we'll live with his jumpers. Let's try to keep him out of the paint. And, you know, I, I, I don't see that changing anywhere, even if he's shooting 40% from three, because it's just when he's able to penetrate, it opens everything else up. You know, it opens up not just his buckets, not just his drawing fouls, but he, everybody gets pulled in and then he's going to kick out the threes and things like that. I think that becomes the issue. And, you know, that's that's LeBron and that's scouting LeBron right there. Yeah, I do not envy those uh, those late night sessions. Um, I'm glad I don't have to do them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so l- let's get into the open forum, the postgame Q&A section. Okay, th- this is one I've been getting, so I- I'm going to stay away from it because I answered it last game, but I'll-, I'll throw it to you. This is from Anakit Mohan at Anakit underscore Mohan24 on Twitter. Uh, should we change the starting lineup? And I, I think the two most popular um, suggestions have been benching KCP or benching Marcus Gasol. Obviously, LeBron and AD are locks, and, and I-, I think Dennis at this point is, is a lock, but how do you feel about, you know, KCP and Mark and I guess the, I don't even know what the alternatives would be, you know, Alex Crusoe or Wes Matthews. And then I I guess key for Trez. Uh, But, but how how do you feel about those two as starters and the the possibility of, of switching that? You know, I'm not too big on that, Jovan, unless it's like a specific matchup thing. Like maybe tonight you, maybe you would have wanted to start Keith just because they were going small and you wanted to match with them small right away but overall i'm not too big on that just i don't think their issues are the starting lineup you know it's it's you know we've seen this crew 
when they're playing well, they're rolling. And I don't think that has much to do with who's starting or who's, who's not starting or anything like that. It's not like I feel like anybody on the bench is killing it so well that they deserve to be starting. You know, it's just one of those things. I just leave it at like, no, it, this is what you got. This is what you roll with. You know, I don't think it's all playing major minutes. So it's not a, a massive big deal. The bigger questions and the more, the bigger issue. And I think this is something that people need to stop need to be more worried about is who's closing games over who's starting games. Cause who's starting games doesn't matter. You know, your, your former beat the Clippers, you know, Zubac started a whole bunch of games at center, but that wasn't who was closing. It was always Trez. And we can argue, I know you argued many times for cousin zoo to, to, to close games, but like there's that whole thing, you know, it's, it's, it's all about who's closing games. So for me, who's starting isn't as big of a deal. And I actually don't think the starting lineup's the problem. Okay. Well, with saying that, what is your ideal closing lineup? Um, yeah, I, I think one they've gone to recently that I really like is AD, LeBron, KCP, Alex, and Dennis. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit small of a lineup, so I, I I don't think you could get away with it in every matchup. But you're going small ball, AD at the five, LeBron at the four, three perimeter guys around them, probably your three best perimeter defenders. And, and then, you know, I, I think the shooting is a little shaky w- with that group, but you have, you know, Den- the, the Dennis LeBron AD trio is obviously their best offensive trio. And then KCP and, and Alex are flying around defensively, getting out in transition. Um, do, do you like that closing lineup or, or is there a better version of that for you? No, I think that's about it. Like, listen, any closing lineup starts with AD at the five, right? And LeBron at the four. Like, they're playing small in that sense. You know, it's, it's those are those are the mainstays right there and in those positions. It's not playing Gasol. It's not playing Trez down the stretch, you know. And then from there, you know, the one guy I say you, who I would be curious to see, and I don't know who you would take out in that group. It wouldn't be Schroeder because I like the ball handling you get from Schroeder, but Kyle Kuzma would probably deserve a look as well. So if he's going good in the game, you might want to keep him down the stretch, and it might, that might be a, a case of uh, it's somewhere between Alex Caruso, KCP, and Kuzma, some, one, two of those three would probably be in my, my closing lineup. And with Vogel, you know, like he has no problem not having a set lineup. I think a lot of it is how, how the game's going. And he does that a lot based on feel and, and it really paid off well last season. So I think they'll, they'll be fine in that sense, but somewhere in those, those are the six candidates for me. And really only three of them are the guys who I'd be like, one of them's not going to play. And that's between the Caruso Kuzma and, uh, Caldwell Pope. Yeah, no, I I think I'd, I'd probably bench KCP in that instance. Um, I think Alex is just so important, and and I, I wrote about it after the Timberwolves game that you know one of the there's many things that the Lakers are going to miss about Anthony Davis, but to me the biggest thing is or or one of the biggest things is his playmaking defensively, right? Like the the, the block shots, the steals, right. um, the deflections, the the charges, like. He, he just does so many things defensively for you uh, on top of just being like an overall good defender and, and being in the right spots and rotations and stuff. But like he makes plays and ignites their fast breaks, which really is the best version of the Lakers. After AD, I think Alex is the second best playmaker defensively. Um, you know, I guess LeBron like fully engaged, but, you know, Alex just you know leads the team in steals per 100 possessions. And, um, you know, I, I had some highlights from the Timberwolves game where, you know, took a charge, blocked, a, a, had, had a chase down block. 
um, ha- had a couple steals, had a couple steals that he didn't get credit for, but you know, he basically led the guy into a steal for, for a teammate. So um, I, I just think he's so valuable defensively that, you know, you saw what he did in the Boston game, right? Like the, the game winning, basically defensive play um, to, to stop Jalen Brown from getting a dunk. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was really you know important. So I'd probably, I, I guess, go with, with benching KCP in that case. And he has not played well recently. He, he's been in a slump for like almost three weeks now. Uh, a couple more questions here. This one I'll throw to you because you and I discussed this actually before the season. Um, once you knew I was going to be switching to the Lakers, I, you know, we, we kind of talked about them a little bit and you were very high on the Marcus Soul Montrez Harrell combo. Um, and, and very, when I say very high, not like, you know, delusionally high, but, but more just like, it's not a downgrade from JaVale and, and Dwight. And that has been one of the questions I, I pretty much get every single game. Uh, so again, getting it here. Uh, from Jimmy uh, at Jimmy Lee one, uh, even when AD comes back, do you think the Lakers need to try and get another center? Any ideas who Drummond, Vucci, I guess he's meaning Vucevic or JaVale. I don't think they're going to get Drummond or Vucevic. So I'll, I'll just shut that down now. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, how do you view the center spot and, and especially with AD out where you can't just play AD more at the five or, or close the game with at the five, like they actually have to make a decision do we go market the five? Do we go Trez? Do, do we go Keith? Like, how are we closing games? Do they need another guy? Or are they fine as is? Um, and is this just a pointless question that the fan base continues to ask? Um, it's one of those things, I think. It really depends on the quality of guy. Listen, I'm going to just tell you right now, you shut it down, but I just really want to be clear. You're not in the running for Andre Drummond. You're not in the drumming for Vucevic. Like, you can't get those guys. Those guys aren't guys that you would get because you don't have the assets. To, to get those guys and, and you wouldn't trade what it would take. And when I mean you, I mean the Lakers wouldn't trade what it would take to get those guys in that scenario. So everybody needs to kind of chill. Maybe Drummond if he gets bought out, but I think he'll end up going somewhere else um, in that case as well. You know, it, it, it really depends on who's available to them and, and, and comes their way, but I'm still not down on the Gasol or, or, or Montrez Harrell signings i don't think it's one of those things where i feel like they 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 messed up or anything like that i just think like hey look this is the way it's going to go if ad's out you know and and for me i was always like trez isn't going to play i wasn't my thought was trez wasn't going to play as the center on this team he was going to play as the four and would have either ad or uh gasol on the court with him so you know it's 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 be interesting to see how this thing whole plays out throughout the season but it's not – their issues aren't like we need to go get a guy right now, you know. And if you do, it's another ball handler. It's not another big. That's because that's not so, – that's somebody that's not going to help you in crunch time. It's not somebody that's going to really kind of do that stuff. And you have the guys that can eat minutes on the roster already. So it's not as urgent as it is maybe like let's get another ball handler just in case kind of scenario because Quinn Cook isn't going to cut that. Sorry. Uh, you know, Al- Alfonso McKenney isn't going to cut it. So, like, those are the guys like, – that would be the position they'd probably need more than anything else. And I don't even know if that's out there. Yeah. Um, we had a Quinn Cook question, but you, you just shot that down. Um, <laughs> well, well, sorry. Let's close on this then. Um, there has been a, d- a decline. The, the shot blocking is actually pretty similar. So, that you know, that was a big concern for people of – Oh, Mark and Trez don't block as many shots. Like it's actually pretty much been the, the same as last year. Um, and but the the points in the paint allowed the field goal percentage allowed at the rim, 
and the field goal attempts and makes a lot at the rim um, have been worse than last season and, you know, actually went from being bottom five and, and bottom 10, I mean, uh, top five and top 10 across the board uh, to being bottom 10 and, and bottom five in some cases. Uh, I guess from the, from the games that you've watched the Lakers, uh, what do you attribute that decline in the paint defense? Is that a perimeter defense thing with, with this team losing Danny Green and Rajon Rondo? Um, or is that, you know, simply the, the center switch? And it's just, you know, Mark and Trez maybe on the whole are as productive or valuable as JaVale or Dwight. But there is a difference when guys get to the rim against a Mark or a Trez versus a, a JaVale or a Dwight. It's probably a little bit of both, but I think some of it has to do with the fact of they just haven't practiced a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you have new guys that are on the perimeter that have to learn the schemes. You have, you know, Montrez and Gasol both have to learn those defensive schemes as well and, and the rotations and things like that. You know, when you have a breakdown on defense, you have on it's, it's easy to point at one guy, but there's several guys, you know, there's several things where like this guy didn't rotate, this guy didn't cover for that guy, and that led to the the domino of uh, problems that ended up happening. So I think it's a, I think it's more of an issue of just how much practice time have they had where they've been able to kind of figure this thing out and make sure they're all on the same page. Cause I don't, I don't, it's, it's different. The defense would, you would get from Marcus all would be different than what you would get from Dwight Howard. I don't look at it as better or worse. I just look at it as different. And I think a lot of it is their perimeter is just allowing guys to get into the paint a little too easily. And at that point, it just becomes difficult to, to fend off everything. That's well said. Um, thank you so much, Mo, for hopping on the pod. Where can people find you on social media and where can they read and listen to your work? Well, you can read my stuff on Bleacher Report. I do the power rankings uh, each week. They come out each Monday. Uh, you can listen to me on Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA show as well as the Daily Ding. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Well, thank you so much. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so wherever you're listening to it, likely on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or The Athletic. And if you've not subscribed to The Athletic yet, uh, I don't know what you're doing, but you can go to my Twitter account, subscribe off of one of my stories to help me out, or just go to theathletic.com and subscribe off of the site. I will be back this weekend to discuss a finals rematch with the Miami Heat on Saturday night. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 